25 minutes in front of the hour as we round out uh, the guest list uh, for the week uh, as we do every Friday just after 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. We catch up with my friend Yael Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center. The global grassroots movement for consumer choice joins us. You can also listen to Yael along with his colleague Dave Clement every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock here on the Big Talker FM as part of their Consumer Choice radio show. Yael, I hope you're doing well and uh, fresh off uh, holiday after your trip to Italy last week. How's everything going? Yeah, things are, are great here, Joe. We're, uh, you know, it's we've got a little bit of a, a rain patch that's hit in Central Europe. But uh, apart from that, we've been getting back to work and uh, still enjoying a little bit of summer. It's uh, time to break out the smoker, maybe do a little, a little bit of meat for the neighborhood. Why not? I heard that, uh, in fact, uh, you went on and purchased a new smoker. But, uh, you know, the fans and critics on social media, the mob, uh, quickly had some uh, comments and uh, detraction negativity towards uh, towards you and your smoker yeah i mean come to think of it on social media basically every community you're in doesn't matter if it's a book club if it's a a mommy group or even a barbecue group you know you're going to get pushback people are going to try to cancel you uh people were very upset that i was i was cooking my meat too long i mean I tried to tell them this is North Carolina style, but nobody would believe me, and they still try to cancel me no matter what. I mean, it's a, a terrible thing, you know, trying to just uh, pass a little Southern culture along to your friends out there in Central Europe, and uh, they've got uh, you know tons of negative things to say about you. Well, we, we're living in the cancel culture, no question. And uh, I don't know if you caught any of our newscast, but frankly, I, I'd rather just eliminate uh, the last two minutes of what I heard from some of the things going on in our neck of the woods. Uh, uh, that said, I think uh, you know. Given the the pandemic, and I was just talking uh, with our friend Cameron Moore from the Builders Association, he's like, dude, it just feels like Groundhog Day every day, and we've been in this for five, six months, and uh, it just feels like uh, this uh, wave is never going to end. Uh, it's got to be, uh, you know, at least for yourself, uh, you know, a little sense of relief that uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, where you're at, uh, you know, things have changed for the better. Yeah, you know, I I had thought that Joe, and I think uh, you know, there's a, there's obviously a lot more positive movements here, and things are are you know obviously much more open, and I can go to bars and restaurants, not a problem. Uh, we do have a mask mandate that just came into effect again, only if you're going to the grocery store. Uh, this just passed, uh, and I think goes into effect today. You can tell I haven't really left my apartment much, uh, but it comes into effect today. Uh, and it's not even because of higher hospitalizations, not even because of higher deaths, which are the real numbers you have to take care of. Uh, it's actually just because there have been additional cases. Uh, there was a cluster, I believe, at a church. And because of that, and this is a small country, right? So even a, even a very small cluster causes uh, people to panic. So I'm not really worried. I think uh, we've been able to do very well here and uh, we'll be traveling again. The family, we're going to pack in the car and uh, probably going to drive down to Amsterdam uh, for next week, Joe. So uh, we're, we're enjoying our freedom as best we can. Hey, let me ask you, you know, as someone who follows uh, you know, education-related issues, not only elsewhere uh, you know, around the world, but uh, here in the U.S. as well, what do you think about uh, you know, paying, uh, you know, let's say, eighteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a year in tuition uh, to go to a place like uh, UNC Chapel Hill, but then not being able to attend classes on that campus and learning remotely. You think you're getting your bang for your buck there, or should there be some refunds? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, w- I would have loved to have tried this model out when I was in school. But uh, yeah, I think this is, uh, it's kind of outrageous. You know, then you're really led to question what many of these universities are offering their young people. If it's just uh, the name and if it's all signaling, you know, I went to Harvard or I went to Chapel Hill, um, you know, that's one thing. And if you're willing to pay for it, bravo. I think most people aren't. We're coming to realize the real cost of university. There's a lot of money that's lost in administration. There's a lot of money that's just swishing around that we don't even know where it's going. So, yeah, if I was a student, uh, I'd be pretty mad. Uh, Luckily, all of my siblings are out of university and were able to do all their courses. But, yeah, really, I would feel very bad. And uh, if I were a young person right now, I'd either enter a community college or start some kind of apprenticeship uh, no way any reasonable person in 2020 should go to a four-year college that'll just be online instead of in person and pay that much money. Yeah, just uh, I think completely ridiculous. And in fact, uh, the UNC system voted yesterday that tuition and fees and everything else is going to remain the same uh, this upcoming semester, no matter uh, whether or not uh, you're on campus uh, to uh, you know enjoy that quote-unquote college experience. Uh, back to the uh, pandemic, and I know you know you've written about this. Uh, on various occasions uh, related to the coronavirus, along with you know outside uh, issues as well surrounding uh, just how many you know this uh, lawsuit type of culture we live in here in the U.S. and uh, you know if uh, we feel that we have been shortchanged, uh, well we're hiring an attorney and uh, and, and suing you and going to file a suit and get things uh, tied up in the courts. Uh, uh, you're looking at uh, this next uh, rescue relief package that is being pushed in Congress uh, here in the U.S. And uh, you know, what types of things are in there that may put an end to these frivolous lawsuits or may open the door and Pandora's box as far as liability comes and goes? Well, there no doubt for this big plan, you know, what I think is very important for every American is the idea of, of getting another relief check um, so that that next uh, round of either $1,200 or more um, that still some people have not received, but that's at least been one major. Uh, but apart from that, one thing that the Senate Republicans have been pushing for, and uh, Trump has mentioned this, though not very convincingly on TV, uh, is the idea of a liability waiver or a liability shield Uh, specifically for businesses, for schools, for unions. The idea that we cannot have any kind of just strange, frivolous, crazy lawsuits that come out connected to the coronavirus, stating that, you know, just because you you popped in a subway on a Thursday afternoon um, and then, you know, you contracted COVID, that, that somehow it's the sandwich maker's fault, even if they took all the precautions. So this is the kind of stuff that a lot of small businesses I know are very worried about, especially if you're a small business that is consumer facing, customer facing. If all of a sudden, you know, you have 500 people are coming in your door and you invest thousands of dollars into having plexiglass shields, making sure all your employees have protective equipment and you still get slapped with some kind of lawsuit, even though you probably were not responsible. Yeah, that's that's probably something that small businesses are not going to be able to recover from. So that's part of the this big package is the idea that for the next three years, anything related to corona, if it hasn't been gross negligence, if there hasn't been huge neglect on the part of a business, of a school, of, of any kind of a company, then they won't be subject to these 
crazy and frivolous lawsuits. Uh, there's going to be plenty, no doubt, that are still going to be filed, but if this does make it into the relief package, that means that many of these won't go forward. And uh, let me tell you, Joe, there, there are plenty of lawyers that are already chomping at the bits. You go up to the Google right now, you go ask Jeeves, do whatever you need to do, type in coronavirus lawyer, you've already got page after page after page, every single law firm in the country uh, that is gearing up its specialist in-house to figure out how they can they can try to make money from this. And, uh, you know, there are some bad actors out there, people who have been deceiving others, uh, but there are others who are just honest brokers who are really just trying to get their businesses back up. They're trying to open up their doors and make money to pay their mortgage and feed their kids. And I, hopefully uh, a lot of these small businesses won't be subject to these crazy lawsuits. And I think that that's something good uh, that we might see in the relief plan probably by next week. Well, looking at uh, the prior stimulus package and, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterback and looking in hindsight, you know, there's plenty that uh, could have probably been, uh, you know, changed and uh, other things that could have been uh, abbreviated. Uh, When we look at this upcoming discussion, we had our congressman on uh, about an hour ago and he broke down, you know, the package that was put forward in the House uh, approved by the Democrat majority. You're looking at three point five trillion, a lot of uh, initiatives and allocations of monies uh, that uh, go way outside the scope of uh, the coronavirus, uh, talking about new Green Deal type of initiatives, among other things. And now it's kind of the. Uh, in the Senate's hands, as far as what they're going to lay out there, more towards about a trillion dollars. Uh, the, the congressman led us to believe that, that he feels that when these negotiations uh, are happening, that it's best off uh, for the Senate to deal with it because you need 60 votes in the Senate to get something, that, which means you need some type of Democrat support, which uh, in turn would allow and force the hand of Democrats in the House to kind of move forward if uh, Chuck Schumer gives the signs off on it. Yeah, it's it's never a good state of affairs when we have to, in order to get the relief that I know a lot of people need, uh, specifically either the cash payments or some kind of liability waiver, that we have to <laughs> go in to the knees of the Democrats and the Republicans both uh, and the Congress people. Um, you know, there's are, there are a lot of very well-intentioned people who are in Congress trying to do good things, but unfortunately a lot of stuff gets lost, and it doesn't help that it's an election year. That doesn't help at all. And uh, what we saw with the first round, as you mentioned, is there were a lot of of these loans and a lot of grants that were given out to even government contractors who who never lost any business, who were still making plenty of money, still have their contracts with whichever government agency, and were able to receive, you know, huge boots of money. Uh, This is not kind of how it's supposed to be set up. I think this is making it more convoluted. Uh, there, there's been plans that have been pushed uh, to talk about giving uh, Americans direct relief. I think overall that's a lot better. It puts money in our pockets. It means we can spend it. We can actually go support our small businesses. Um, I think the idea of, of tax cuts are not bad. It's, it is a way to kind of stimulate things. But the only reason we're even talking about this is because there are government-imposed lockdowns. You know, this is not the time to uh, try to recreate our entire economy and to try to, you know, outlaw capitalism. Uh, but, you know, this is kind of an emergency, and that's why you need to have a strong, robust economy. That's why your taxes have to be low, and people have to make money in good times so that in bad times, you know, we are able to protect those who are most vulnerable. So I, I hope this stuff can get kind of arranged. You know, there are there are many different plans that are happening. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep applying pressure. Uh, we want to make sure that people are able to open up their businesses and, and make sure that, you know, they're going to get all the protection they can, whether it be from government or whether it be from, from any of the things that they purchase. Now, it looks like uh, 
Well, while some businesses are kind of weathering this storm, who knows what the long-term effects will be You know, if this has to continue. When we talk about restaurants only being able to seat at 50% capacity and other guidelines that are in place, well, here in the state of North Carolina and elsewhere uh, around the country, based on each individual state, there are some businesses uh, that have remained shuttered for the better part of what now? Uh, March, April, May, June, July, here in North Carolina, that's the beginning of August uh, before Governor Cooper will consider you know, moving into this next phase, so to speak. You're talking about six months, <laughs> half of the year of uh, not being able to open your business. I mean, will even a stimulus and an injection from the federal government be enough to save uh, these uh, businesses? Probably not, you know, and I think it, it's going to be relatively hard in various parts of the state. Uh, certainly out there towards the beach, you know, there's a lot of tourism. Uh, we're used to a lot of people coming up from South Carolina, Virginia, a lot of snowbirds coming down trying to enjoy the Outer Banks and things, and they're not going to have as many of those people. So that that's definitely going to be a drain. And, you know, as much as we want a, a good government that's able to be very intelligent and smart, it just doesn't have all the information. I don't think no no government ever will have that, and that's very unfortunate. And in this kind of circumstance, you know, what can you really do? I think... Uh, the priority should be in making it as easy as possible for entrepreneurs to either get back to work, start new ventures, um, to get capital if they need to do new things. I mean, there are plenty of opportunities out there, right? It's not as if all demand has been usurped. It's just that our demand is in new areas and new places. We're all buying new things. We're all trying to stock up in our homes. Uh, we're enjoying our social distancing, you know, fun times, whatever that might be. So there is entrepreneurship that's happening. There are some people that are creating good businesses. Unfortunately, a lot of businesses of the past may not survive, uh, specifically in hospitality. So, you know, it's it's going to be a, a whole strange medical situation, and there's a lot that we just don't know, and there's a lot of things that we're not able to fix, you know, with a bill or with a law. But I think the what we need to do is create incentives so that people can create things on their own. Uh, be sure we don't make it more difficult for people to be innovative, to offer people solutions. Uh, oftentimes, the best solutions are not going to come from the government bureaus, and they're not going to come from the state house. They're actually going to come from private people who have great initiatives they start up on their own. And that's actually going to help more people out in the community than uh, just you know a large grant or loan that would come from Washington, D.C. or even Raleigh. Our friends from the Consumer Choice Center join us every Friday morning just after 9.30. Yael Lasowski with us here this morning, host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show. It airs at 10 o'clock Saturday mornings here on the Big Talker FM. He, along with his colleague Dave Clement, bring us technology-warranted talk radio across the pond. Yael stationed in Vienna, Austria right now with Dave up in Toronto, uh, Canada. Uh, and quickly, just talking about Dave, you know, I'm not sure how much of a baseball fan he is, uh, but uh, his Toronto Blue Jays don't even have a home, and the season started already. How does that all work? Yeah, I know I know. we talked about that a little bit. It, it's kind of a, a crazy thing where all these sports teams, I think it's the NHL, it's the same. They have to go to, like, between Edmonton and Toronto and all these different areas. Uh, for the sports world, you know, I don't envy a lot of these business managers, and uh, for the sports fans, it's definitely confusing. All right, and uh, tomorrow your guest uh, on uh, the Consumer Choice Radio Show will be Bjorn Lomberg, and uh, he has a new book out uh, titled False Alarm, How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. Uh, that said, you know, of course, when we talk about changing uh, our uh, ways in which we consume energy, you know, 
scaling back on things that have provided clean, affordable uh, energy to vast amounts of people through natural gas and other avenues that have been explored recently. Yeah, well, yeah, when those things are eliminated under a Joe Biden pre- uh, presidency, yeah, in fact, the poor and the lower socioeconomic uh, folks out there are going to have to be paying more because uh, most of this is going to be subsidized. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, while well, we see an effort to spend trillions, and uh, what are we going to get for it? And apparently Bjorn a little upset that the New York Times was critical of uh, his latest uh, uh, book that he just uh, published and came out on July 14th of this year. Yeah, he he, uh, he has the distinction of having his book reviewed in the Times, uh, but it was not a favorable review at all, and uh, it was actually very dogmatic. And uh, he, he punches back uh, during our interview and, and just really gives a, a great perspective on what the actual climate solutions are, what is the actual crisis we're facing, you know, what is the real statistical model that we can kind of use to examine this. And I think it gives us a lot more reasons to be hopeful rather than uh, pretty upset. So uh, great speaking with Bjorn Lomborg on Consumer Choice Radio. With that said, as I let you go, you know, why is it in some cases when we look at, uh, you know, the political spectrum, why is it one group of people continue to just push this, you know, emergency, the world is ending type of narrative while others try to just, uh, you know, look at things logically and rationally and understand that there are issues and problems uh, that we need to face and try and come up with some solutions. And in some cases, you know, uh, solutions that have worked in the past, maybe we need some outside the box type of ideas. Uh, but by and large, it seems like uh, one. One group of people on the political spectrum seem to thrive in the chaos and the Armageddon type of end of the world mindset that is pushed through mainstream media on almost a regular basis. Well, uh, Joe, to give you the historical perspective, this is this comes right out of the progressive era of the 1920s in the United States. Uh, You know, people who turned to government as the kind of answer to many of our problems and the idea that. Government was not just um, the thing that we needed to dispense justice, but actually was there to provide a positive force to intervene in all of our lives and make us better. So there is a large movement uh, ideologically that likes that, and they have for the last hundred years, and uh, a lot of them have reared their heads, uh, particularly in every sort of crisis. So that's definitely a play, Joe. I know I could probably talk to you about that for three hours, uh, but I can't really do that on Freedom Friday here on the Joe Catanacci Show. Well, we may have to you know, bring you in for an extended uh, time period to talk about and break that down and the history of it on how that began, uh, this uh, uh, frame of mind in our country and how it doesn't do anybody any good when we're always kind of looking over our back and saying the world's going to end. Uh, we should live life to the fullest and uh, try to make impacts where we can. Uh, but by and large, it's not the way I want to live my life, uh, yeah, Yellen. And no, it's not the way you live your life, uh, given uh, what you get, uh, what you're up to on a weekly basis. Yeah, we we have all the great things in the life that are available to us. Technology connecting us across, you know, thousands and thousands of miles. You know, we're making living with technology. We're living longer. We have cleaner water. I mean, look, I'm happy. I think things are going very well for us as a species. So I'm. I'm uh, I'm Team Green for uh, for human beings. I'm all in. Yael Osowski from the Consumer Choice Center tomorrow morning. You can hear him on the Consumer Choice Radio Show. It airs at 10 o'clock Saturdays here on the Big Talker FM. Yael, enjoy your weekend, my friend. All right. Same to you, Joe. Bye-bye. ConsumerChoiceCenter.org, their website, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice.